Top 14, the finest football multimedia page out there. Follow us on the socials and don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the 13th and final instalment of Top 40's podcast this season. Today is the final episode that we will be producing this season here at Top 40's. The podcast has been a real pleasure to produce all season long. And today is a bit of a special episode as we have our awards to present to you. As our awards have been running for the last couple of weeks on Instagram, we've put links to them. Thank you to so much to everyone who's done it. We had 233 responses in the end. And hopefully you will enjoy this episode. And from everyone at Top 40s, it's been a pleasure recording and we look forward to bringing you more content to Grace Your Ears next season. Hello and welcome back to the Top 40s podcast. It's Tom and Lucas back at it again for one final time this season. And today we have a bit of a special episode. We have our awards to bring you from the polling we've had on Instagram for the last two weeks. Tomo, good morning. It's going to be a bit of an emotional one, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I've really enjoyed recording this over the course of this season. It's been a cracking season and uh, following the conclusion of the playoff final yesterday, that is it for the season football-wise. Um, I'll have to find something else to do for the next six weeks or so. But yeah, it's been a cracking season, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think we've had some class away days. So we will get the ball rolling. We will start bringing you the results. We are going to do the Premier League and Championship. Then we are going to talk about some other things and then do League 1 and League 2. So Premier League player of the season, our results were as follows. In third place with 11.2% of the votes. By the way, we had 233 responses. Thank you so much to everyone who voted. Um, we really appreciate it. Premier League player of the season. In third place, Jared Bowen with 11.2% of the votes. In second place on 37.3% of the votes, Hugh Min Song. And in first place, on 38.6% of the votes, is that man, Mo Salah. Tomo, are you surprised by the range had there? And also, credit, we had one vote for Phil Jones as well. Yeah, well, I think it's no surprise to see Salah at the top of that. Um, I mean, we know Kevin De Bruyne won Player of the Year, which I can't understand really, because I think he's had a great season, but... To look past Salah after winning top goal scorer and, and getting the most assists this season, for me, it's just silly. Um, Liverpool have been excellent this year. Yes, they only came away with two trophies, but only two trophies. That says everything about how good they are as a side. Um, the fact that they'll be slightly disappointed with that. Uh, Salah's been amazing this season. He's had a little bit of a rough patch in terms of performances, I would say, in the last... 10 games, maybe, uh, I think since the African Cup of Nations, that might have hurt his confidence a little bit, especially losing to, obviously, Sadio Mane, Senegal on penalties. And I reckon that maybe thought, maybe made the Premier League sort of switch a little bit and think, oh, well, the Premier League, um, De Bruyne's been brilliant since in those 10 games. But Salah's been the best player over the course of the season, without doubt, um, and he thoroughly deserves to win the award. Yeah, fair, fair play to my Salah. He has been quality this season. Up next for you, we have the young player of the season. And we are pleased to bring you our results. So in third place, with 25.8% of the votes, is Bukayo Saka. In second place, with 26.2% of the votes, 
is Conor Gallagher. And in first place with 28.8% of the votes is Declan Rice. Fair play to Declan Rice. He has been a powerhouse in West Ham's midfield this season. Obviously, we know he was in the midfield maestro with Calvin Phillips at last summer's Euros. But fair play to him. Tomo, what do you have to say about this gong? Again, I agree with it. I think Saka's had a great season, but it's just tailed off a little bit towards the end. Um, when the pressure's been on, he's not really delivered um, those performances that I would say Rice has. I think Rice showed in the World Cup, in the Euros, sorry, how good he was. Um, and honestly, this season he's been excellent. I think he's been the catalyst for West Ham's success. And yes, West Ham only did finish seventh after sort of flirting with the top four at some stages of the season. But I think you've got to take into context the European run. He was excellent in that where they got to the semis. Um, and not only that, just his character. And I think he will stay at West Ham. Um, for me, I think I can certainly see him staying. And I think it'll be excellent for West Ham and excellent for, for the Premier League because you want to see sort of the talent spread out for me. I don't like seeing all the players hoarded by the top clubs. Um, I like to see very good players in in and around the whole league. So it's good to see Rice and Bowen both at West Ham, two very good young English players. And I think Rice definitely deserves Young Player of the Year. Yeah, fair play to everyone who was mentioned and obviously Declan Rice deservedly winning there. Now Premier League goal of the season. This one has been incredibly tough to choose. So tough, in fact, that out of 233 responses, only four votes separated first and third. But I'm now in a position to bring you the results. In third place, we have Cristiano Ronaldo's first goal against Spurs, his first one of his hat-trick, that is. In second place... Danny Ings' bicycle kick against Newcastle. And in first place, Andros, Andros Townsend against Burnley at home. Some very good goals in there. Tomo, I can see, I think you're disagreeing a little bit with what's been voted for. What do you have to say? Well, uh, they're all great goals. Um, I would actually have sided with the official winner, which was Salah's goal against Man City, um, which I just think... Yes, I know when you're voting for a goal of the season, I think sometimes you can get clouded by the, the magnitude of the goal, how big the goal is. Um, but for me, having watched it, um, having watched that game, it's the moment and the occasion um, at the time. And Salah to do that, it was just unbelievable. And the, the skill level in that goal, it wasn't just taking a pot shot, which Townsend was a great goal and he's a good player. I'm not saying that he was a lucky goal, but taking a shot from 35 yards, anyone can do that and it can go in. You know, obviously you need skill, but it is a bit luck based. Whereas to beat three of the best defenders in the Premier League playing for Man City and then smash it with your weaker foot in the top bin, I think. That, for me, was the goal of the season. But Ronaldo's was also a great strike, um, to be fair, against Spurs. And Ings's bicycle kick, we all know how difficult they are. We all know how difficult they are. I've attempted it once myself in park football with some friends and it did not come off at all. Not a good experience. Zero out of ten, wouldn't recommend. Now, our next award is the Premier League surprise package of the season. I'm pleased to bring in the results. This one is slightly more easier to say in third place 
with 15.9% of the vote, is Newcastle. In second place, with 28.8% of the vote, is Brighton. And in first place, with 38.6% of the vote, is Brentford. Obviously, Brentford, we all know they came up first season in the top flight for 75 years odd. And they've done really well this season, to be fair to them. And obviously, they managed to get a coup in bringing Christian Eriksen. And he single-handedly transformed their season and kept them up, hasn't he, Tom? And do you think it's a deserved winner? I think a lot of teams have been like this in the last couple of years, where they've stormed into the Premier League and all of a sudden massively overperformed. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Brentford do next season because, I mean, two examples. You look at Leeds last year, they did really well and overperformed. You look at um, Sheffield United the season before and obviously both clubs then, Sheffield United rock bottom and Leeds really struggled this season, nearly went down in the second season. So I'm not sure whether whether Brentford will suffer from a bit of second season syndrome next year. I think they've got good players. Um, a lot of people do say, as you said there, that oh, it's only it's only because they had Ericsson, which I actually would disagree with because I think, in fairness, they were doing pretty well before Ericsson came. They started the season well. And I think what helped, what Ericsson did bring was when they were going through that that really poor run of form in around the January period, he came in and gave them that little bit more belief in the squad um, and a bit more experience and quality. And I think that's really helped them kick on again because you see a lot of teams start really well and then fade away. I think Cardiff did it last season. Uh, no, not last season. When they were in the Prem and got relegated. Um, and we've seen a couple of other sides do it in the past. Uh, Watford this season started pretty well. But um, I think that Brentford next year, they'll... They have got very smart recruitment and they've made some good signings this season, to be fair. Not just Ericsson. I think Visser's been a good addition to the side. Um, I think Onyeka's done well. I think he's been injured the last couple of weeks, but he's done well this season and Ayer as well. So I think they'll probably recruit well again next season. It'll just be a case of whether they can keep hold of Ericsson and Ivan Tony, who also has had a, a decent first year in the, in the Prem. Fair play to Brentford for doing for having a, such a good first season in the Premier League. And we'll see what happens next season, whether they do test positive for second season syndrome or whether they do kick on and um, solidify themselves in mid-table. Moving on now to our Championship Awards. Our first category is Player of the Season. And this is by far and away the most one-sided vote of the lot. My goodness gracious me, how one-sided you guys have been. In, th- in third place, with a measly 4.3% of the vote, is John Swift. In second place, with 7.3% of the vote, is Chris Willock. And in first place, with a staggering 76.4% of the vote, with 178 votes all in all, it is unsurprisingly Alexander Mitrovic. He scored, what, 42, 43 goals this season? Absolutely staggering. He is literally a championship cheat code, isn't he, Tomo? Yeah, there's no doubt that he would win. I mean, you can't score, what, 44 goals, was it, this season and not win player of the year. Um, Mitrovic has been unbelievable. I think he owes a lot to the likes of Harry Wilson, who wasn't mentioned there, who has given him A-star service and 
so have the rest of the Fulham side, the likes of Cabano and Co. Um, but, you know, some of the goals he scored, I've watched him live for full 90 minutes in the flesh uh, once, obviously once on TV when he scored a hat-trick against QPR. And in that game, he, he made a very good centre-half in Geordie Device look, look pub-league. And when we played him at Loftus Road, he, his movement was just exceptional. Um, with a lot of strikers at this level, they all have a really a strength, I'd say, that they're very good at. Maybe one or two. The top strikers might have a, a couple of really big strengths, but they all have weaknesses to their game. Now, whether that's not being able to run in behind, not being as good of a finisher, not being strong, um, not being that good in the air. Every, most strikers in this in the championship do seem to have a weakness in their game. But I'd say when you've watched Mitrovic, I can't really find a weakness in his game. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's rapid, but I don't think the way he plays, I don't think he needs to be. Um, I think there's so many aspects to his game that have just improved massively and for this level are, are, are just superb. And I think it shows testament to why he's one player of the year. Just want to mention Chris Willock because I think he's had a, a really good season and I don't think he's got enough credit for it personally. Yes, as QPR fans, of course, we're going to be slightly biased because we've seen him play every game for us. But I think on talent-wise, I've not seen a player like that at QPR in, in quite a while. Um, the way he carries the ball, it is very Ebre Eze-like. And I think he's got just as much, if not more, potential than Eze. And then just mentioning Swift, I think it's a great coup from West Brom to pick him up on a free transfer. A lot of clubs would have been sniffing around, but I reckon West Brom, they must have offered him decent money. And they're obviously backing Steve Bruce in the summer. So that'll be interesting to see how he does next year. Yeah, it definitely is very interesting to see how Swift will do next year in the West Brom side, who probably have more quality in their side than Reading. Definitely a lot more money, it goes without saying. But everyone there has had a very good season. And if you've ended up in the shortlist, if someone else has mentioned you, then you've definitely done something right, it goes without saying. Now for the Young Player of the Season Awards. In third place, with 7.3% of the vote, is Isaiah Jones. In second place, with 30.9% of the vote, is Jed Spence. And in first place, with 49.8% of the vote, is Brennan Johnson. I think we all saw this one coming, didn't we? Brennan Johnson has been absolutely terrific this season, leading the line for Forrest. And I think we can safely say he deserves to be playing in the Premier League next season, doesn't he, Tomo? Yeah, Johnson's had a great season. Um, again, he's so quick and he's got very good feet as well. Great first touch. He's got everything that you'd want in a, in a modern-day winger. I think if he can add a few more goals to his game, I think at times his, his finishing, if I had to criticise him, can be a little bit rash. But at the age he's at, that's expected. I think he's had a, a brilliant, brilliant season, Johnson. And not to mention Spence as well. I mean, both of them have had unquestionably unbelievable seasons and to be one two in the voting mirrors that I think as for Forrest they'll be desperate to keep hold of Spence I've, I've seen a lot of interest from Tottenham and Arsenal regarding him um 10 million supposedly was the fee and I, I think now Forrest have got promoted they can certainly afford that so I, it just comes down to whether Middlesbrough will want to sell him to Forrest or maybe 
maybe look to sell him somewhere else. And I think if he does go to Tottenham and Arsenal, I think he'll probably go on loan and that could be where Forrest strike in the market. But from the scenes yesterday when Forrest won promotion, Spence looked very much like he wanted to stay at the club and Johnson certainly won't be leaving anytime soon with them being in the Premier League. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that the togetherness we saw yesterday when they got promoted is second to none. And I think they'll carry that into the Premier League, keep the bulk of their squad and maybe add a couple more players to help them stay afloat in the Premier League. Now on to the next category, which is Championship Goal of the Season. Now, this is the only one which had no extra votes. So everyone agreed with the four goals I chose, which is mental to see. I can now bring you the results. In third place, with 19.3% of the vote, is Alex Mauer versus Cardiff away. In second place, with 30% of the vote, is Andre Gray versus Derby away. And in first place, I can see Tom looking disgusted there, with a staggering 39.5% of the vote, is Jed Spence versus QPR. I'm pretty sure some of my friends chose this one just to wind me up. I'm certain of it. But to be honest, all, all of the goals in there and the goal that wasn't mentioned with 11.2% was Ben Wilmot versus Preston at home. But I think I can safely say all four of those goals were absolute wonder strikes. And Tomo, I can see you disagreeing with some of the votes there. How do you feel? Again, it's, it's similar to the Premier League one for me. Um, I was at the City ground right behind Spence when he struck that into the top right. And the whip and, well, the dip and the knuckle on it was unbelievable in fairness to him. It was a great strike. It's another one where I've seen my mates do it in the park. The I mean, obviously, it might take them 100 tries, but any player that's got decent technical ability can put a ball from 30 yards into the top corner with pace. Um, and I think when you look at... If you haven't seen it, you've got to watch it. But the way he chests, knees it, chests it, and then volleys it on the swivel into the top corner, it just takes a lot more skill to do something like that um, than to just... I mean, Spence was given a lot of space as well. He had probably nobody within five, five yards of him, ten yards of him. So it's easy to say, oh, it's not that good of a goal, but... I certainly don't think it compares to Gray's goal. And that's me not being biased. You might think because one of them was against QPR and one of them was obviously for QPR, that that's a biased take. But for me, if, if you compare and Spence's goal, I, I think Moat's is better because the way he hits it on the half volley um, is takes more skill. So fair play to Jed Spence. He's had a cracking season. It was a cracking goal, but I think he's robbed Andre Gray there for me. Yeah, obviously some of the scenes that ensued after... Andre Gray's beauty did hit the back of the onion bag. We're second to none. And some of the limbs when that going to some of the carnage was absolutely unbelievable on a personal note. Now moving on to the surprise package of the season in the championship. Right. In third place with 4.7% of the vote, Coventry City. In second place with 24.5% of the vote, Huddersfield. And in first place with 65.2% of the vote is Luton Town. Obviously, we all know Luton. They started off the season quite slowly. And then since their last-minute winner against Bournemouth back in January, that, that seemed to spark them into life. And they 
went on some madness winning streak and ended up in sixth place at the end of the season, only to lose to Huddersfield in the playoffs. Tomo, from a neutral perspective, it's been a really good season for Luton, hasn't it? Yeah, it has been a, a great season for them. I don't think even the most optimistic of Luton fans would have put them in the playoffs this season. Um, and obviously, it's disappointing what happened in the playoffs, losing in the semi-final after they played pretty well against Huddersfield, but just outworked, outclassed, I think, on over the two legs. But yeah, they've had a, a cracking season. If you look at their squad as well, the amount of injuries they've had to key players. Um, Peli Rudik and Panzu, who you'd say was one of their better players, has been injured for a, a decent chunk of the season. Um, missing Elijah Adebayo as well for, for a, a long period. Cameron Jerome had to step up. And I think when you look at some of the signings as well they made, when when you sign in the Cameron Jerome and Henry Lansbury, I think a lot of people think, oh, they're not great signings, but they've both turned out to do really, really well this season. Um, so, Fair play to Nathan Jones, as much as he's a Marmite character. Um, and I think a lot of fans of non, non-Luton fans probably aren't aren't massive admirers of him um, just from the way he acts. But his management can't be questioned. He's had a really big effect on this Luton team and he's done a, a very, very good job again this season. Yeah, you've got to tip your flat cap to him where you have to, because obviously no one saw Luton get in playoffs. I think everyone had them down for lower mid-table, to be honest, after they almost went down in 1920 to then stabilising the ship in 20 to 21. Before this season, they've just gone and done that. What's next for Luton? I don't know. I think what's next for them is a fit goalkeeper because they've literally gone through about five or six goalkeepers this season. Almost they started off the season with Sluger and Nets and he left. Then they had Jed Steer who got injured and then they had to play James Shea who again got injured and they had to, and they had to bring in Matt Ingram for the playoffs. But I think what's next to them is a fit goalkeeper. Just a bit, bit like us, to be honest, a bit like us. Uh, moving on now to the flop of the season. This one is relatively one-sided. In third place, with 11.2% of the vote, is Reading. In second place, with 19.7% of the vote, is Barnsley. And in first place, with a staggering 63.5%, is West Bromwich Albion. I can also see two votes in there for QPR and one vote for Birmingham as well. Tomo, what's gone wrong for West Brom? But what's gone wrong for Barnsley as well? What's gone wrong for Barnsley? Because obviously we all know they were in playoffs last season. They started off the season relatively well, winning won their games and then obviously producing the best performance I've seen from a QPR fan perspective this season in the fourth game of the season, I think. And then they just capitulated, didn't they? Yeah, I think we covered it when we talked about the Championship relegation special in depth. But just to briefly speak on it, I think it's just been a, a really underwhelming season um, for Barnsley. I think their quality of their squad was never great. Even last year under Val Ishmael, they had a, a very distinct and unique style of play where they, they'd smash the ball into an area and then squeeze the opposition almost suffocating the opposition really um, with their way of playing. And it managed, it was a perfect match between Ishmael and that Barnsley squad of players. But then when you lose your key player, your best quality asset in Alex Mower on a free, 
um, that's always going to hurt you, especially in a key area like, like the centre of midfield. And they didn't replace him. They they half replaced him in January when they signed Domingos Kina and Amin Bassi on loan, who both have done well. But I think by that time it was too late and they just haven't haven't shown enough quality over the course of the season to stay up. And there's been a lot of players there that have massively overperformed, I would say, under uh, Ishmael in that style of play. The likes of, I'm not saying these are bad players, but Callum Britton, Callum Styles, um, Mads Anderson, mostly the defensive unit, to be fair. And they've all now had drop-offs and all seem to drop off at the same time, which obviously isn't going to help when you're trying to stay in the league. But yeah, and then quickly on West Brom, obviously tied in with Val Ishmael, they started the season... Their, their results weren't bad, but their performances were underwhelming. Um, and I think the West Brom fans were not a fan of this kick and squeeze technique that Ishmael seemed to use. And they thought that because they had much more quality in their squad, um, players like Grady D and Garner, Matt Phillips, and a lot more good ball players. You know, Moat's a good ball player. Livermore on his day can be a decent player. Carlin Grant. Um, all these players probably didn't buy into that system as much, but they were still in the playoffs. And then they just dropped out of it when Ishmael was sacked and brought Steve Bruce in, which you can argue all day about whether that was a silly decision. In my opinion, it was a bad decision because, and I think it was reflected because they, they didn't turn anything around and actually ended up worse. And a mid-table finish will be... Very underwhelming for a team that a lot of fans, I think, before the season probably thought they'll at least be top two because Fulham have a lot more quality. And in hindsight, now looking back, obviously we didn't think Mitro was going to go nuts, but West Brom had those hardened, experienced players that have been there and got promoted before. So I think they'll be very disappointed. And next season's probably make or break for them with the age of some of their players. Obviously, we've established that West Brom's squad is ageing. Um, let's, let's have a look at some of the age of their players. So, just look at their 4 0 win, their team in the 4 0 win against Barnsley. Matt Phillips is 31. Jake Livermore is 32. Carlin Grant is 24. David Button is 33. Um, Trying to find some other players. Callum Robinson is 27. Cedric Kipre is 25, not as young as we all remember him. From being, um, try and find some other players who might be aging. Adam Reach is 29. Um, Semia J is 28. So we can all see that this that their squad is starting to come on. And obviously, with the average age of their squad rapidly increasing, I think we can all safely say that next season is make or break for West Brom. Now, just to break up the podcast, we are going to speak about some of um, some of the early hopes for next season so we have um early hopes for next season we have got um oh some of our own categories uh, this might be interesting the the shizer house award so the shizer house award um this will definitely be very interesting it goes without saying because there's there's been a lot of shizer housery um in the championship this season and among other leagues. But I think one thing I have really enjoyed 
Shiza Housery wise as a QPR fan is I remember the games against Cardiff and Sheffield United they both have long throw specialists and they put a towel down by our block where we both where we both sit and we stole the town. We just chucked it all over the place. And But, Tomo, who do you think wins the Geyser House Award? Well, it depends, really, um, what league you're looking at. I think Jamie Vardy, every single season, has a moment of shithousery. Um, and he did against Southampton when they were chanting, your wife's a grass, scored, ran basically the length of the pitch to, to go and wind up the Saints fans. Um, as for the championship, Jefferson Lerma always winds up the fans. I couldn't stand him when we played him. Um, I mean, Ben Pearson, who's normally a massive shit, I was, he hasn't played enough, really, um, to be one. But there's quite a few. I remember a tackle that Stefan Johansson did against, and it was Alex Mighton of Nottingham Forest. Wow, that was a... Ma- I don't know how he didn't get sent off. That was that a really. disgusting Brexit tackle, but I loved I it. I mean, fair play. I loved it. Um, but, yeah... There's been a lot of big moments of shit really this season, to be fair. It's it's hard to pick out one individually, but I, I love it. And all the same for me, I, I think it needs to carry on. Yeah, I think football isn't football without the Shizer Housery. And the next category um, is the Showboat Award, as in the player who's pulled off the most silky tricks. This is tough. This is really tough. But I think we're going to go across the leagues. Um, as in, oh, this is difficult. So, Premier League, one player who loves to mug teams off and then the Championship down to League Two. Or you you take the Premier League and I'll take the Championship in League Two and you take League One. Well, for the Premier League, he's only been here since January, but I think Luis Diaz definitely is the most skillful player for me. Um the way he brought that ball down in the in the Merseyside derby where he sort of mid-air, I don't know what it was, but it was unbelievable. And his feet are just a joke as well. So that's my pick for the Premier League. And then for League One, uh, it's difficult to be fair because there's quite a lot of players that are skillful, but they've all, obviously, no offence to them, but they wouldn't be in League One if they're the best technical players in the world. So you're not going to see as much great skill but I would say Jack Clark is very good on the ball very good dribbler um I mean there's a couple more very decent dribblers of the ball Callum Lang is also very skilled dribbler um really Chidozio Bene good dribbler but that's more pace wise really um so I'm I'm gonna have to probably go with Jack Clark to be fair very very talented player Yes, fair enough. Lewis Diaz for the Prem and Jack Clark for League One. I don't think we can really argue there. For the Championship, I'm going to go with Isaiah Jones. I just think he's technically, he's so good on the ball and he's just so skillful. And he's a, and when we played Mills for both matches I watched and he, he had me on strings. He was really scaring me. Uh, and I think given that Middlesbrough didn't make playoffs, I don't think he'll be a Middlesbrough player next season. I think he'll get a move to the Premier League, perhaps playing for someone like Brighton, Nottingham Forest, Bournemouth. I think we'll get a move to a lower mid-table Premier League side next season. And for League Two, I think, um, obviously, he's definitely a, a shithousery king as well in that league, Harry McCurdy, for sure. Um, he's definitely He definitely loves to wind up the fans and 
obviously with this trademark wallop as as well. He definitely as the fans on strings from time to time. Right. So moving on to the League One awards. Up first, we have League One Player of the Season. This one is relatively straightforward, I think. In third place, with 7.7% of the vote, is Cole Stockton. In second place, with 19.3% of the vote, is Barry Bannon. And in first place, with 62.7% of the vote, is that man, Scott Twine. I think this one was relatively straightforward to choose. He has been absolutely phenomenal this season. He's just scored so many goals and he just hasn't let off, has he, Tom? He's been incredible. Yeah, um, Twine has been amazing this year and there's no question he'll certainly get a move to the Championship, probably a top six champ- aspiring Championship club next season if he wants to. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's been a fairy tale really rise for him. I mean, from being out on loan in the National League South, I think, and couldn't get in Swindon's side at one stage, which says a lot about the previous ownership and management at Swindon, really. But, yeah, he's been unbelievable for MK this season. I think he surprised a lot signing for MK Bonds because there was a lot of sort of higher-profile clubs that, that wanted him at the time. But I think I heard someone say that his agent was very stats-based um, and data-driven, and the data for his performances matched up really well with the data of MK Dons and that's why he chose them and obviously made the right choice because he's been wonderful this season. Yeah, safe to say he has been a joy to watch all season long for MK and it's it's a pity they didn't get promoted but that does mean however that Twine will get a big money move to the championship or even a lower mid-table Premier League side next season. I can see him fitting in well to perhaps Nottingham Forest um, now, young player of the season. Um, in third place, with 12.4% of the vote, is Dan Neal. In second place, with 15.9% of the vote, is Harry Darling. And in first place, with a staggering 51.9% of the vote, is, take a guess. Scott Twine? No. Oh. Gavin Bazunu. Oh, yeah. He's been a stalwart in between the sticks for Pompey this season, making loads of incredible saves and showing why he is probably one of the best young keepers in the country, isn't he, Tomo? Yeah, I think Bazunu's had a, a really good season this year. Again, unknown from Man City. Portsmouth will probably be disappointed they didn't make the playoffs. I think they just lacked quality. They didn't really invest that much in the summer, but Bazunu was a, a cracking loan signing. He's kept them in so many games and his performances have been second to none. I think he's definitely been the best goalkeeper in in League One this season and there's no doubt in my mind that he could either maybe stay at Man City and be the backup, I think he's that good, or certainly get another loan move, but it'll be not to League One, it'll definitely be at least to the Championship for me because he's shown that he's very, very talented as a goalkeeper. Obviously, there's things to iron out. He's made the odd mistake. One against Ipswich, against Macaulay Bond springs to mind. Um, but young goalkeepers will make mistakes, and there's certainly talent there, and Bazunu's got boatloads of it. Yeah, safe to say that Bazunu has been incredible for Portsmouth this season. At the tender age of just 20, he's been incredible in between the sticks. And we all saw him last season in between the sticks for Rochdale as a teenager. He was incredible then as well. I think he's definitely got to be one of the best young goalkeepers in the country, that it goes without saying. Now, goal of the season. I do apologise, I did make a bit of a mistake on this one. 
I put Cole Stockton versus Wimbledon by accident, but it should have been Cole Stockton versus Fleetwood. With that said and done, though, um, in third place still is Cole Stockton against Fleetwood. In second place, Scott Twine versus Sheffield Wednesday. And in first place, Barry Bannon against MK Dons. All three were incredible goals, but for me, I think having seen all three, I think Barry Bannon's goal against Jamie Cumming was a worthy winner, um, hitting it on the volley from from about 30 to 40 yards. And to just do that, beat the keeper, and actually go in as well, not just over the ball, hit the woodwork, is absolutely world-class, isn't it, Tomo? Yeah, the dip on that volley. I mean, the audacity to even try that really is a joke. But the fact that he scores it, and the way he scores it is, is unbelievable, to be fair. And it was a, a really big game as well, which adds even more pressure. So the audacity to try that just speaks volumes for how talented Bannon is. Uh, again, with Wednesday being in League One again next season, I don't know whether he'll stay at the club, but he stayed when they went down. So I would be surprised if he left now, unless he thinks that Wednesday haven't got much confidence of going up next season, which I think they probably will be at least challenging. I think for the Cole Stockton goal, for me, that's my goal of the season because to hit it in the last minute from the halfway line and lob the keeper is in a local game as well where there's a bit of needle between the fans is unbelievable. Um, and I think that's my goal of the season personally. But again, Bannon is a worthy winner. Yeah, I think safe to say Stockton won't be a Morecambe player next season. To score 23 goals for a side who finished just two points of, off the relegation zone is absolutely world-class. And you can see him getting a move to a top League One side or a lower mid-table championship side next season because he has been one of the best players in League One this season and he won't be in the division next season. Now, moving on to the surprise package of the season. Um, um, in this category, we have in third place, we have Cambridge. In second place, Plymouth. And in first place, MK Dons. Now, with MK Dons, I don't think anyone saw coming. Obviously, they lost Russell Martin to Swansea. And then Liam Manning's come in. I don't think anyone oversaw the job that Liam Manning has done because he has been absolutely incredible at the helm for MK Dons this season. And they've been a joy to watch all season, haven't they? Yeah, I think MK, Liam Manning just picked up the mantle from Martin, but he also ironed out a few things that probably wouldn't be conducive. I think Martin's, it's shown this season for Swansea that the obsession of playing out from the back over the top has got drawbacks and there's been times when that's not been conducive to success and Manning's got the balance really spot on. And I think it looks as though he's going to stay at MK for next season. And I think, again, there'll be a, another good prospect next year under him. I think after some of the comments he's come out and made, I think he will be at MK Dons next season, it is safe to say. Now, the flop of the season. This is definitely very interesting. In third place, with 15% of the vote, is Crew Alexandra. In second place, with 24% of the vote, is Lincoln. And in first place, with 42.9% of the vote, is Charlton Athletic. Now, big things were expected of Charlton when Johnny Jackson came in as caretaker boss after the dismissal of Nigel Adkins, I think it was. And Thomas Sangard said that Johnny Jackson would get the job if he can prove himself. 
prove himself he did by going on a fantastic run as interim boss. But then now it's just pieced away. Jackson is unemployed and Charlton wound up in mid-table. Tomo, it's just been a chain reaction of unfortunate events for the addicts, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. The owner has got a little bit of work to do next season to get those fans back on side because he's made some questionable decisions this season. Obviously, sacking uh, Adkins was that was had to be done because they were almost in a relegation battle at that stage. Then Johnny Jackson comes in, the form massively turns around, but then seems to go in a lull. And again. Charlton are a side that they should be aspiring to challenge at the top of League One, but this season they just couldn't ever get going. And I think it's a, a massively important year for them next year because if they don't challenge again, then they're going to be a mid-table League One side and no good quality player is really going to want to go and join that side instead of joining a side that they know will be challenging for the top six. So big year next year for the Addicts. Yeah, I think as we've established that it's make or break for Charlton next season. Now moving on to our League Two awards and League Two player of the season. Joint third on the exact same number of votes. We have Matty Stevens and Jamil Matz. In second place with 23.6% is Kane Wilson. And in first place with 41.6% of the vote, is that man, Harry McCurdy. It's obvious to see what he's done for Swindon this season. He's been incredible all season long, winding up fans and he's been playing well. And when he's playing well, the fans absolutely adore him to bits. And I think, Tomo, I don't think he'll be a Swindon player next season, in all honesty, do you think? I'm not sure, to be fair, because I think if you look at his career trajectory, it was a massive punt, really, that Swindon took on him because he's a player that's highly talented, but there's been plenty of clubs where he's been at where it just hasn't worked out, whether that's attitude, which we've obviously seen his volatile character this season at times, whether that's consistency, whatever it is. But he seemed to find a way at Swindon. And I wouldn't be surprised if he stays at the club and goes again next year because I think he's been... A very very good season for him but I wouldn't say he's deserved to be the best player I don't think he's been the player of the year for me um, I think there's been a couple of players probably in that Forest Green side the likes of uh, Kane Wilson, Nicky Cadden, Matty Stevens, even Jamil Matt gets deserves a shout, Giovanni Brown for me at Exeter also has had a very good season, Dom Telford of course um, but I think it's been a good season for McCurdy but I think it's a bit steep to say he's been the player of the year yeah, no, I think that the people have spoken and they spoke about the choices that were there and obviously um, Jim or Matt got it. Now, young player of the season in League Two. In third place, with 22.7% of the vote, is Jack Sparks. In second place, with 24.9% of the vote, is Connor Taylor. And in first place, with 37.3% of the vote, is Tyree Simpson. Now, Simpson, he's been really good all season. He's been playing well, pulling strings in midfield. And, Tomo, what do you have to say about Tyree Simpson's deserved award? Well, it says a lot, to be fair, because he obviously left in January, Swindon. He was recalled by Ipswich. So it says a lot about how good of a half season he had um, at Swindon. But I would say he probably does deserve it. 
there's been a lot of good other good players. Connor Taylor at Bristol Rovers has been very good as well. But obviously the fans thought that, that Simpson deserved it. And I can't really argue with that. He's had a good season. Yeah, I think it goes without saying that. The half season he was there, he was absolutely out of this stratosphere. Now, League Two goal of the season. Definitely some very interesting choices here. We have had loads of people voting as well, which is fantastic to see. Goal of the season in third place with 21% of the vote is Alan Judge versus Rochdale. In second place with 21.5% of the vote is Davis Kaylor Dunn versus Forrest Green. And in first place with 37.3% of the vote is Elliot Anderson versus Harrogate at home. Now, I think we can all say that every goal in there was class. And I think that Anderson's goal was just a cut above, wasn't it, Tom? It was absolutely a joy to watch on the naked eye. Yeah, cracking, cracking goal from a very talented player in Elliot Anderson, who... Again, he'll definitely have probably championship loan suitors next season from Newcastle. And if Bristol Rovers managed to keep him there, the amazing string pulling from Joey Barton using his contacts at Newcastle because Anderson's a very, very talented player. And I think, as that goal showed, just very technically gifted and excellent player for League Two, way too good. Yeah, I think we can all say that he's just he's just a little bit too good, isn't he? And I think it's it's shown um, all in all. And now the surprise package of the season. Again, a relatively one-sided vote. I'll get your live reaction. In third place with 14.2% is Mansfield. In second place with 26.6% is Bristol Rovers. And in first place with 47.2% of the public vote is Sutton United. Now Sutton... They've come up from the National League, having never played at this level before in their lengthy history. Having They obviously had to tear up their pitch to be allowed into the league, which I think is a bit silly. But they've definitely played to their strengths 100%. And they've narrowly missed out on the playoffs and obviously got to the EFL Trophy final, which is just delightful to see a small club like Sutton pulling strings to the extent that they did. And obviously... We wish them all the best next season. Tomo, it's been a really encouraging season for Sutton, hasn't it, with everything that they've done? Yeah, I think you've summed them up really well there. Sutton came up from the National League. A lot of people who don't probably watch any National League probably thought Sutton United, who you know, who are they? they they're going to go down. They had to tear the pitch up. They had to... Prob- they didn't really, though, improve their squad massively. I think Matt Gray has to be given credit. The squad has been just kept on and given confidence and a boost of energy. And I think they took to League Two really well and they were unlucky, obviously. I think if it if it wasn't for them being in that Papa John's Cup, I probably reckon they'd have, they'd have uh, got in those playoffs. But they'd still probably take a day out at Wembley, which great season for Sutton. Obviously, as a Sutton, if I was a Sutton United fan, I would be going into my next season with my head held very high. And now flop of the season. This was, again, very close with one vote in it. In third place, with 23.6% of the vote, is um, Oldham Athletic. In second place, with 34.3% of the vote, is um, Bradford. 
and in and in first place with um 34.8 percent of the vote is Gunthorpe United and also with 0.4 percent of the vote your mum um but I think we can all talk about Scunthorpe. We can talk about Scunthorpe for weeks. They because they've been absolutely abhorrent to watch all season. They've just capitulated. They've been really poor all season, and they've deservedly gone down. And I think it's it's been coming this really poor season. It was only four years ago when they were in the playoffs to get promoted to the championship for crying out loud. Then they got relegated. Then they've been kicking around lower mid table in League Two. Now they've gone down. Tomo, it's been really disappointing from a Scunthorpe perspective, hasn't it? As I say, we could talk about this for weeks, um, but we haven't got too long. So just to summarise it, it's just been a steady, steady downfall. And I feel for those Scunthorpe fans who've, who've watched their club slowly sort of disintegrate to now a, a non-league club who I don't think have got much hope of going back up next season. I think it could be a long time in non-league for Scunthorpe if they don't really their ideas up because let's be honest it's not really an appealing club to buy it's not a Wrexham or you know a club like that and if you look at the competitiveness of the National League now where there's a lot of clubs like Chesterfield, Wrexham, Halifax all clubs that are going to be challenging next season not to mention Oldham who will probably be around their south end as well so they'll probably do well to get mid-table for me. Yeah, I think obviously with the standard, the National League going up and up and up every season. We all thought Notts County would walk the league when they went down there. Still haven't come back up. Um, we are going to talk about a couple more awards. Tomo, I'm going to let you come up with two categories this time. Over to you. OK, I'm going to go one. I'll go for manager of the year, just across the whole top four tiers. Um, and transfer, well, signing of the year across the whole top four tiers. Um for me, manager of the year's got to be Steve Cooper. Now, that might be very recency biased because of what Forrest did, but to come in with a team bottom of the league, and yes, they're talented, yes, they've got very talented players, but Forrest have always had talented players. They've always had a decent wage structure. They've always signed players for good money, but they've never managed to sort of... It's been since 1999 since they've been in the Premier League. Um and so to finally achieve that and to come from, give everyone else sort of a 20-point head start, it's just incredible from Cooper and well-deserved for me. And then signing is a difficult one um, because there's been a lot of very decent transfers this summer. Um, even though it was January, Luis Diaz is a shout. Dejan Kulisevsky as well for Spurs came in and turned that season around. Who's been? He's been absolutely brilliant. Um Harry Wilson gets, obviously he was expensive, but had been brilliant for Fulham. Um, so any of those three for me. Yeah, I think that the manager of the season, I think Cooper, 100% up there. That's got to be a very, very decent shout. But I'm actually going to go with a manager a bit lower down the top four tiers. I'm not going to lie. And I'm going to go with... Um, very interesting. I'm, I'm going with Matt Gray of Sutton United. He's been there since April 2019. He's come in and he's he's done so, so well for Sutton this season. He's he's steadied the ship and he's not only not only has he kept them in League Two for next season, 
up until the final day of the season, they were challenging for playoffs as well, which I think is mental across the top four tiers. Just have a, a team who's never played at this level before. Just do that. It's absolutely insane. And signing of the season, oh, this is well difficult. I'm going to go with in the championship and I'm going to go with a team who always seem to play well when this keeper is in between six. I've given away the position. It is indeed Hull City's Nathan Baxter. He has been incredible for Hull this season for the most part. And I think we can see that whenever he's played, he's he's grinded out the results. And not many people saw that one coming, but I think um, Nathan Baxter, he's definitely been very, very, very good in between the posts for Hull this season as they look forward to another season in the Championship. Anyway, tinged with a little bit of sadness, this rounds off the season's Top 40s podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, please, please, please don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And Tomo, do you have any last words before you round off for the season? Just, it's been a pleasure recording them and I hope you've enjoyed listening to them and we'll be back next year um, better, hopefully. Yeah, we're, all, we're always open for feedback. So if there's anything that you would like to see installed, then please feel free to DM us on Instagram at Top4Tiers. Also, pretty good day for us. We've managed to hit 21,000 followers on the IG. So thank you if you follow on there. It's been a pleasure to record this season. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us at Top 4 Tears. You've been listening to Tom Ward, founder of this multimedia empire, and myself, Lucas Ross, editor and producer. Don't forget to like and subscribe.